You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Jeff Ellis. It's the Locked On Indians podcast, and the Indians have now lost six games in a row for the first time since 2015. A brutal weekend after a brutal series against uh, the Royals. The Indians are now down to, I believe, the sixth seed. If uh, the playoffs were to start, they'd be below uh, Toronto. They'd be below the Twins. By the way, top seed in the American League right now, Chicago White Sox. Uh, maybe not what you expected, but it is the White Sox. Tampa's a half game back. Uh, if this was a typical season and we are nearing the end, the Indians would not be in the, the postseason. They'd be battling behind the Twins and the Blue Jays for that final spot. And they're in pretty much a, they are in a tie for the Yankees with record. And Houston, who is sitting at 500, is that eighth seed. And it's this is kind of the ridiculousness of this season. Those eight teams are 95% Almost 96% are better, all of them, for the, the postseason playoff percentage. You have such a have and a have not in the American League that you look at a team like Seattle, who's got a 457 uh, percentage, or Baltimore and Detroit at 435. Those teams are more or less out of it uh, at this point in time, and those are the, the three teams that are next up. So for as much as losing six in a row stinks, it's like, what is the value of the postseason this year? Uh, the, you're, the, you know, winning your division versus making in the wild card. Everyone's going to have a, you know, a, a multi-game series. There is no real home field for this Indians team. They would be drawing um, the Oakland Athletics, a team that I believe just lost Matt Chapman for the year and a team that has been scuffling a bit of late after being, you know, the best team in the American League for a good point of this season uh it's it's going to be interesting to see how things go again the indians have a pretty easy schedule down the stretch uh after these two games against the cubs it opens up for them Uh, but i think it comes down to that they just don't care uh about uh post uh, post postseason seating that being said it would still be nice to not see a team that's lost six in a row So you got these two games, as I mentioned, against the Cubs, four against Detroit, four against the White Sox, and then three against Pittsburgh. That's right. The season is basically in its, you know, final throws, as it were. We have, what, eight, 10, 13 games left to uh, establish things and get through September here. And after that, we'll, you know, see how things line up or who the Indians are going to face. They're in the postseason. That's what matters and counts. But you can't feel comfortable with this lineup. It's, I mean, it's just all sorts of bad. And it's kind of crazy. Like, where did Carlos Santana's power go? We've talked to, I mean, he is having an odd, odd year. Five home runs this year. Yeah, he's getting on base at an exceptional rate. But you look at his value just a year ago, he was with five and a half wins. Uh, I mean, the 281 betting average we all knew was high. That was well above his career average. But... The power, yeah, the power was again. It was a bit of a spike for him, but still, he has gone. This would be the lowest slugging percentage of his career. This would be in line with his career on base percentage. So he's walking even more. Batting average is well below career norms. Uh, he's making it very easy for the Indians to not 
pick up his uh, his option. He's also making it very hard for him to find a significant deal. Like he might come back to Cleveland, Carlos Santana, and the Cleveland Indians. There is a lot of room for a return because for all of his struggles, he's still been one of the Indians' top four or five hitters this year. Um, and he obviously likes it in Cleveland, and he's comfortable. And Cleveland can probably get him on a one-year deal because. Who is going to go after him right now? Uh, you know, mid-30s first baseman not hitting for power. Uh, I could see a reunion happening with the Indians hoping that um, in a more typical season they would get better results. So I guess we got to talk about this series, right? Uh, three games against the Twins. One, two, three. Uh, let's start with the Friday night game. Uh Kenta Maeda against Shane Bieber. I know I didn't have time to do a uh, a series matchup. I would have given the Indians the edge in this one heading in. And, I mean, arguably Bieber's worst start of the year, I think. Uh, I, I mean, probably not even arguably. This was his, his biggest struggle, his first loss. Seven innings, three earned runs, eight strikeouts, two walks, five hits. It also says something where that is his biggest struggle. Karen Chalk comes in and is solid for... Cleveland, they get their one run on Jose Ramirez's team-leading 10th home run. Franmel Reyes gets a double, but you go through the game. Ramirez had two hits. No one else had uh, two ways of reaching base in this game. You look at the hits, uh, Cleveland had more than uh, the Twins did. And then you look at something like walks, the Indians had two, the Twins had two. The Indians had more base runners. Twins had more home runs and had someone on base when they had one of their home runs. And that was the difference in this one for the Cleveland Indians. Maeda has been really strong for the Twins. Uh, Brutusar is a really interesting prospect, but I think they have zero regrets about that trade this offseason. Then the Saturday game. Against Rich Hill, I would totally give the Indians the advantage in this one as well, showing I know nothing. And the Indians in the Saturday game, uh, you know, the problem here is Plesak had his worst game of the year. Seven innings, five earned runs, five strikeouts, three home runs. Uh, he got hit. He got hit hard. Brent Rooker got, I believe that was his major league debut in this one uh, for the Twins. Marwin Gonzalez has had this long history as an Indians killer dating back to his Houston days, and he really was over the course of this weekend. Rich Hill, he was effective. Five innings, effective work against the Indians. You can't let Rich Hill be effective. He's not very good anymore. I mean, he's a, isn't he 40 plus? Uh, or 40? or Either way, it's it's not great. You're leaving Plesak in there to go deep into the game, and I don't necessarily understand pushing him and pushing him out there uh, when he hasn't been as effective in this one. And, I mean, I, I also understand that all the runs scored came off of home runs, so you're not exactly... Uh, getting to situations that are high leverage where you feel like you need to go out and, and bring someone else in. And another question, or not questionable, another poor performance by Whitgren in this one. Uh, I mean, four runs. I, I saw the Cleveland Play Dealer headline. Uh, the, the Indians explode for four. Like, we're, but still lose. We're, we're to the point in time we're talking about the Indians exploding for four. That's an explosion. Ugh, it, Six hits again, four walks. Uh, another strong game by Jose Ramirez. Uh, Santana got on base twice. Jordan Luplo got on base twice. The rest of the lineup, uh, yeah. 
I, I like that after all their struggles, their way to, to fix things is, is moving Lindor to lead off Cesar to two and Jose to three. That's that's a really um, <laughs> shuffling your top three hitters. It, there needs to be more than that. And I still can't get over the fact this team is carrying three catchers. We'll get, get into that in a bit. Um, when we talk about our third game from this weekend in a second. Built Bar is back, and they are back with brand new flavors and brand new formulas to make what is already a fantastic product even better. I've talked about them. This is a product I use every day. This is something I eat for breakfast. Sometimes I eat for lunch as well. This is my go-to morning meal for me. I often will just pound down two of them. I find them filling. They give me energy. And as someone who has issues with gluten, it's even better because it's just easy to eat. I eat so many like hard gluten bars in the past, things that uh, were gluten-free. And that's where this product really appeals to me. Uh, there are a lot of different things you can try. Everyone feels like is trying to get in on the bar market. And again, I'll just stand with the fact that Built Bar is the best bar I've tried. It is a product I use daily. And when you go to BuiltBar.com right now, you can try it for yourself using the promo code locked on you can use that code multiple times get 10 percent off your order builtbar.com using that promo code locked on product i use daily not just an ad read it's truth okay so we have uh game three to talk about uh i was kind of surprised i thought uh when i saw this one that michael pineda being able to pitch i thought he was going to be suspended the whole year because of his steroid issue, but maybe it was he had missed part of last year and was only going to miss part of this year. Either way, uh, he was in this one. He wasn't particularly effective for the Twins. Other side of things, it's Tristan McKenzie's second shaky start in a row. You do get a little bit worried that uh, McKenzie may not, you know, maybe he's going to regress to the mean a bit. How about Nelson Cruz with home run 16, Marwin Gonzalez again, Ryan Jeffers gets another home run in this one. That's two for him in this series. Uh, the other side of things, two, a double by Naquin, a double by Jose Ramirez. The Indians were battling. It's the same thing, you know, even with that Plesak performance. I kind of meant to talk about that Saturday game. Uh, you take out the situation with Wetgren, and it's a 5-4 game. It's close. Uh, the pen has not been doing the Indians any favors of late, and they didn't do him any favors in this one either. Uh, I talked about getting more Quantrell. Well, he made me look silly. Karen Chalk, effective. Uh, Maiton comes in, does what he needs to do. Hand. I mean, you got to get him innings at some point, so I was glad to see him come in, continue to be effective. Uh, you're hoping that Quantrell keeps it close, but with McKenzie just getting lit up early, they were in for some trouble, and yeah, I... One of those things that perfectly encapsulated all this to me is I'm sitting there watching the game, and I know Naquin would eventually hit a double and come on to uh, to score in the seventh, but it was, I think it was in the in the fifth in or in the yeah, it'd be in the fifth inning. Uh, they got runners on they they have runners on first and second, and Naquin is up. Minnesota goes and gets their lefty. Now, Naquin is not strong against lefties. This is why he's part of a platoon. So I'd like to see, since you have two runners on in a tie game, at the time it was 3-3, I believe, or maybe it was 3-2. No, it was 3-3. Go get Luplo. Use that platoon effectively. Um, You have a situation with a chance 
to advance a runner, use the platoon you have in place. They don't. Naquin strikes out on three pitches, and that's that's it for that. Uh, why they're carrying three catchers? Yes, Sandy Leone, Le, Sandy Leone, uh, did get an RBI in the eighth when uh, he had a single that scored Naquin. He's not good. I know they're paying all of these guys, but you don't need to carry three catchers. Um, carry another bat. Carry someone that's useful and can do something. They've got three catchers, none of them who can hit their weight right now. And frankly, when it comes to, you know, Leone, uh, or Sande Leon, he's not going to be here in a year. It's a one-year contract. Uh, it was not a great acquisition. I mean, I've not. I've been very outspoken in how dumb I thought it was from the start. It didn't cost them anything except for salary. And again, with a team that is cutting every little penny and dime, paying that much for a backup catcher who's not very good, never made much sense, and they went out and traded for another backup. Just cut him. What is he really bringing to the team? Bring someone up. You know, if you're going to, you know, give Kai Tom a look. Bring Zimmer back. Do something. But carrying three catchers who can't provide anything other than defense... Uh, is not a ideal situation for the Indians in general. Uh, Santana, you know, I, I made my statements, but it was a strong game for him. Jose Ramirez, Cesar Hernandez, Francisco Lindor, multi-hit from all four at the top of the lineup. Um, you know, I, I bag on uh, Sandy Leon, but he, uh, you know, he reached base twice in this one. That's an accomplishment. But, I mean, Mercado... It's it's not there. It's been rough, and he just continues to struggle. And Naylor is yet to produce, and you're kind of hoping for league average. And you know, Naquin, when he returned, looked really good, but he has been regressing as well, and we're not seeing as much. And that's just where we are as Indians fans. This outfield is maybe the worst I've ever seen in my time of fandom of the Indians. They're net negative at each and every position, and that's just holding this team back it's looking at the Cleveland Indians and where I expected them like I thought that Roberto Perez would be an above league average catching bat he would have hit for power get on base he would have a low batting average but he'd bring something he would would have value to the team and that has not been there at all I expected more from Santana but at least he's being close to league average and in the outfield the, the Luplo Naquin platoon, I've talked about this a lot of times, was stellar. It was the equivalent of having, you know, a well above average starter. And this year, neither of those guys have really gotten off uh, the snide. They have both been kind of mediocre at their peaks. And that's a big drop off. And then when you're sitting there with, uh, you know, Reyes has been uh, productive, but Reyes was in the outfield for parts of the time last year. Uh, or you had Puig out there towards the end, and instead you're running now, hoping that Naylor can turn into something. And I, I was very bullish on the San Diego trade, but I mean, I've also been the same person who's been like, I'm not all that excited with Naylor. I, I think he's a league average. Maybe you hope he can keep turning into more, but uh, he's not a guy who has shown impact ability. And this is the danger with the Cleveland Indians. Naylor's profile might be most similar to Jake Bowers, in all honesty. Like, it's kind of a similar minor league profile. It's a profile they seem to be uh, attracted to, and it seems to be one that does not lead to uh, great results. Like, if we're just being honest, 
this profile has been one that tends to be one that we've seen players, uh, if anything, underperform when given opportunities. And that's a very small sample size between the two, but with other players as well, when it's just uh, eye at the plate is the primary skill, uh, along with a decent hit tool and hoping for more power, that, that doesn't always, um, especially with positions of uh, power production, uh, lead to great players. And right now, we're dealing with an Indians team that uh, is far from great offensively. Uh, it, it's an ugly situation. Now, Monday is an off day. We'll see what happens. We should talk about uh, Dominic Le- uh, Leone, designated for assignment, and calling for that. They did do that. They brought Cam Hill back. That opens a 40-man spot by designating him for assignment. Now, could they do something else on the off day? Could they add someone? Could they go out and take someone from the other site? Could you add, you know, an Owen Miller if you're looking for an infielder, a Nolan Jones if you're looking for a bat, a Kaye Tom who did everything he could last year to get that opportunity? Uh, I mean, I still don't understand why I don't at least call up a Daniel Johnson. I'd rather see him get reps than some of the other players who are getting them this year. But they're now officially at a point in time where they have an open spot. They can easily go out there and add someone to help this team, even if they're not on the 40-man. It's uh, an easy situation for them to do, and I'll be curious to see what happens. Now for this Cubs series, Carrasco's been pitching better of late, but if you have not been paying attention, Yu Darvish is in the NL side young race. He's been one of the top three pitchers there. So that's a clear advantage for them in Game 1. And in Game 2, Savali has been not as sharp of late, whereas, uh, you know, looking at John Lester's performance this year, uh, I will pull up and and talk about, it hasn't been particularly stellar either, a FIP of uh, 5.09, he's nine starts, he's definitely starting to show the age, as it were, I'm curious, when was the last time that he was, he hasn't been a three-winner better pitcher since 2016, so it's been kind of a, a low-end, more of a, a back-end type of pitcher. You would think the Indians should have the advantage. So my prediction, though I was horribly wrong last week, so take it for what it's worth. I mean, I didn't get to give the prediction, So, but uh, after the fact, I can say I would have given the uh, the Indians uh, two out of three. <laughs> that clearly didn't happen. So instead, I'll say that uh, I'm expecting the split. I think uh, Tuesday's game is is likely a loss, and Thursday's game is, on the other side of things, likely uh, a good chance at a win, because Leicester has been uh, not particularly strong this year. If we were doing the whole one-to-one matchup, the guy to watch is is Ian Happ. Um, If you've been a long-time listener to the podcast, he was a guy I wanted the Indians to try to acquire in a trade through the offseason. Brought that up a few times. he has been the best hitter on this Cubs team this year. He's been better than all the big names. Uh, Chris Bryant has really kind of struggled for them. But Rizzo and Schwarber and, and Javier Baez, I mean, even Jason Hayward's actually having a pretty good season. Uh, Kipnis has been about what he was in Cleveland. They've they've tried a few different guys out. David Bote is getting a, a lot of starts for them. And they went out at the deadline and you know made that trade for Cameron Mabin, who has been a, a decent hitter last year, not so much this year, but it's a, a nice gamble. Nico Horner is their top prospect. Their bullpen has been effective with Kimbrell, Wick, and Jeffress, and as mentioned, the starting rotation. 
It's been Darvish and Hendricks. I know Alec Mills had the no-hitter today. Um, he is still more of a back-end guy, which is kind of where Lester is as well. That's kind of going to be their question in the postseason is what can they do beyond those top two arms. But this is a Cubs team that's set up to do well. Um, I think I closed my standings. I know they're first in the Central. I don't know where they are in the overall standings um, of the National League, but the Cubs are playing well, and they're going to be another postseason team uh, for the Indians to face. Again, I'm just kind of sad that we missed out on Ian Happ. He, you know, he didn't get that opportunity last year, and I thought he was like the perfect guy to uh, try to figure a trade with, uh, specifically if you were going to flip uh, starting pitching uh, with the Cubs, because before the season started, uh, the Cubs were a team that, I mean, they were just starting pitching questions galore, mostly because Darvish had been such a bust for them. And then this year he's come back to be a Cy Young candidate. They're still a team, honestly, that could use pitching. Um, but their prospect pool is, is very weak. Uh, I'll be kind of curious to see how they develop. They did a, a very abrupt change for them this year, taking Ed Howard in the draft, uh, which I don't mind. I thought that was a, a strong pick by them. But it's going to be... Could be an interesting little series. We'll have some more time to talk about them tomorrow. Hopefully we'll have some news to talk about on the, the Tuesday morning podcast before uh, the little short series against the Cubs here. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast. It has been a rough week for Indians fans. I wish you all well. I hope you are doing well. Do something for yourself and go have fun because watching the Indians has not been fun in about a week. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Tribe.